Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. We are on episode 151, season three, and I'm calling this Restore and Rebuild. And love talking love talking about behavior and uh, restorative practices and the best practices come when you integrate restorative practices with PBIS, uh, Positive Behavior Intervention Supports, or MTSSB together, uh, multi-tiered uh, systems of support for student behavior. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, but uh, behavior, of course, and I want to jump right into a book, uh, the book from uh, Dominique Smith, Douglas Fisher, and Nancy Frey, Better Than Carrots or Sticks, Restorative Practices for Positive Classroom Management. And read a little bit from that at some um, good practices. And uh, the schools I was at, as we integrated more restorative practices, uh, the students started to uh, behave better. Uh, discipline went down. Uh, classroom management was easier. And as they state in uh, some of the books I'm going to share with you tonight, uh, behaviors increased intrinsically because uh, students wanted to do better themselves and they want to impress you and uh, do well for the right reasons and not to get in attention and for patterns of behavior that are not uh, good attention-getting strategies. Um, uh, one thing, they, I'm going to just start jumping into a, a chapter. I like some of the things they were saying here. Although knowing that students are disengaged, feel hopeless about their futures, and do not report daily positive experiences is deeply troubling, the good news is that we as educators possess the power to change these numbers. What if educators made an intentional effort coordinated across the school or the district to do so? We believe the effective processes for engaging students have the following three key elements. Uh, and this is taken from their book, and it's uh, they are proactive, Processes should focus on students' communication, collaboration, and problem-solving skills using a strength-based approach. And educators should identify and enact an early warning system to locate students who need more intensive supports. Uh, one of the schools I was at, the Focus School, we actually did use uh, uh, Strengths, um, Strengths Explorer, and it kept continued to change names, uh, but it was based on Gallup's uh, Strengths Finder and uh, the student version, and we used those, had the students take it in third grade and then use those all through sixth grade, and as they continued our pathway through middle school and the high school, they continued to use those uh, strengths that we identified, and it was a good tool for teachers to continue to elaborate on their strengths. And uh, something else I just recently saw in an educational leadership, too, they were talking about project-based learning. We may have to get back into that. Um, and they actually shared uh, how well it's working with students in developing their creativity and bringing out their strengths. And that was another aspect that we had of the focus school was the strength-based, uh, project-based learning. Um, the second thing they say in this book, they are systematic, clear guidelines and principles should be in place to govern student interventions. And that's part of your uh, building guidelines and your processes through restorative practices to problem solve and develop empathy and develop an understanding within the students. And having those systems uh, gets everybody on board and of course develops that common language throughout the building uh, and makes it easier to problem solve. And uh, soon, uh, some of the schools I was working with recently, I told them if you continue to develop a problem solving process, 
the more you do it, the more the kids are going to be uh, into the problem solving and they're going to continue to be a part of the solution. And it'll continue through the upper grades as it, as it carries through and they learn it from year to year. And pretty soon they're solving their own problems on the playground and with other students. And they're acting as peer support for each other and uh, doing a lot of the, the problem solving uh, model that can happen. And there's a, different, a lot of different models that uh, you can use through that through restorative practices. Uh, the third thing they say from uh, Carrots and Sticks is they are transparent. Everyone with a stake in the organization, including students, families, and other community members, understands the process and has a voice in refining and customizing it. And uh, everybody wants the same thing for students uh, and for their own children. And the students need to be cared for. They need to know that they're cared for. And they need to know that people care about them. Uh, parents, the same way, they need to understand that you care about their kids. And what you're doing is for the best of their kids. And you do have um, uh, positive intentions in place for their, for their children. And you're trying to teach them. Uh, the correct behaviors and the survival they need for school and and to develop into good citizens for society. Uh, one thing I'm going to continue a little bit from Better Than Carrots or Sticks, uh, they, they talk about student voices. I have hope and a plan to get where I'm going because people cared about me. Uh, something I was just talking about a little bit and they talk about Gallup and uh, how Gallup in 2014, they reported survey results finding that student engagement declined with each grade level. It'd be interesting to see that now um, after the uh, 2000, you know, basically 18, 19, I kind of after 19 when it probably has even gotten lower through the pandemic uh, and coming out of that through 19 and 20 uh, and 21 even to see what those are. And I know, I know my schools, uh, I was able to give the HOPE survey at a couple of my buildings and that was through Gallup and it gave you information about your students and kind of gave you a gauge on where they're at. And uh, it is important uh, for students to have that uh, feeling of hope for sure. Uh, uh, let me read again a little bit here. It says, but the report offered reasons to celebrate as well. Students who strongly agreed with these statements, my school is committed to building the strengths of each student. And I have at least one teacher who makes me excited about the future. We're nearly 30 times as likely as their peers to be engaged in their school. 30 times just by having one adult excited about them. Uh, Gallup also reported that teachers had a direct influence on the degree to which students felt hopeful about their futures. What's more, one-third of student, students surveyed who scored highly on all three dimensions that the assessment measures hope, engagement, and well-being were classified as success-ready. Uh, so that's actually good. Awesome in itself. Um, and then they go on to talk about, despite growing up in poverty, how some of them had this uh, feeling of hope and they felt like they uh, can't do any wrong because they feel like they have, uh, they're loved and they have somebody that gives them hope and somebody that cares for them. And uh, that has increased basically positive behavior and the things that they're doing. Uh, and the way they conclude, uh, I think this is worth uh, sharing as well. The conclusion of this book, Better Than Carrots or Sticks, uh, uh, consider how different the f uh, fates of the students uh, Gallup surveyed who were not success-ready would be if they had regularly encountered intentionally inviting adults throughout the school day. Uh, students who feel hopeful and cared for are able to achieve at higher levels, and the best news is that it is within our power to help them do so. So we need to 
try and be or help students have an intentionally inviting adult somewhere in that building. Uh, all students should have that and know that they're cared for. And that is one thing, a uh, good thing about uh, restorative practices is they help our students understand that, you know, everybody makes mix mistakes and we need to know how to respond to mistakes and how to correct our mistakes. Uh, but at the same time, we need to reteach and they need to know how to, to problem solve and and how to take care of it in a positive manner so that they're actually uh, reflecting on their behavior and uh, developing empathy. And empathy, of course, uh, is what's needed when we're correcting bullying, uh, when we're correcting and working with students on behaviors that are disrespectful to each other and others. Uh, recent educational leadership, this was November 2022, the recent one, I guess, volume 80, number three, uh, had an article by Brian Goodwin in Research Matters of Getting Their Hopes Up. And self-directed learners need good goals, good plans, and again, hope, he talks about. So uh, that again comes up and sharing just a couple little excerpts from that. Uh, help students set their own goals. Uh, Snyder notes that a hope killer is trying to achieve a goal someone else has set for us, not our own. And unfortunately, we have to do that with state uh, assessments and some of our learning goals. Um, he says, go on. He says, as, as I go on, I mean, he says, uh, ask students to cultivate their own interests and to set personal goals for pursuing those interests more fully. So you could actually have them setting learning goals themselves, which would actually uh, help to... Uh, solidify the goal and making it more pertinent to what they're currently uh, going through. And then he says, help students develop hopeful self-talk. Model how hopeful people think, replacing doubtful I can't messages with positive messages. And we talk about that consistently on our show and the importance of using positive messages and encouraging others. Uh, uh, let's see, and then uh, he does go on to... Um, offer some other advice on setting goals. It's a really good article. I will I kind of leave it at that. And if you'd like to continue and uh, look at that article, like I said, it was the November 2022 uh, issue, volume 80, number three. And it was uh, Brian Goodwin's article. And it's more about setting uh, goals and good plans and hope. Uh, but I thought that was interesting how they're bringing up again uh, that term hope, uh, which is, is important for our students. And then jumping to uh, Hacking School Discipline, Nine Ways to Create a Culture of Empathy and Responsibility Using Restorative Justice. Uh, Nathan Maynard and Brad Weinstein, uh, uh, they have some good points in their conclusion. I'd like to share a little bit of that. Uh, uh, students are not inherently troubled. We must dive into behavior as we do in learning in, uh, any learning, learning deficiency in the classroom. Uh, when we identify that the old carrot and stick discipline uh, philosophies actually create more opposition, exclusion, and labeling, we can begin to truly address this rising epidemic. Restorative practices take incidents that would otherwise result in punishment and create recognition of behaviors and obligation to repair the harm they caused and action steps in making the wrong right. Emotional regulation isn't taught, it is learned. And again, remember, I've shown that pyramid in my presentations and things and that, uh, you know, behavior is right in there with any other lesson that you are teaching. And we have those uh, tiers for behavior and tiers are for academics, uh, but they're one and the same. We're teaching academics and we are teaching uh, behavior as well. That is also a subject 
And like they say, uh, emotional regulation isn't taught, it's learned. Uh, students are not adults. They need help with time management, study skills, prioritizing tasks, social skills, and character development. And I would add to that myself that uh, working with students in poverty for many years and as a principal in a high poverty building, um, we had to do a lot of coaching and a lot of mentoring and a lot of teaching of learning skills uh, for students, helping them learn how to take notes, how to prioritize tasks, develop study skills. You have to teach those things uh, and help them with those learning structures that can help them uh, solve problems, that can help them uh, work through things. And these are things that they may not already know. Uh, and character development was a number one priority for us because character development and social skills uh, was a, a number one key in uh, supporting our students and, and helping them to develop. Uh, restorative practices are so important for students and can, and can help your building uh, grow in ways uh, that I can't even explain. And it continues that process. Once you plant that seed and continue to grow that seed, that is one thing that continues to uh, move through your building. And it takes time, but over time, that does work with your positive behavior supports and your MTSSB and those restorative practices uh, help to make students uh, better behaved and uh, more understanding of processes and of the actual reality uh, of what's going on and how to solve problems in the real world. And isn't that what we really want? We want our students to be able to problem solve and continue to grow and understand the difference between right and wrong and uh, what happens if you do make a mistake and how you can correct those wrongs. So uh, I think it's important for us to do that. I'll share one more thing from this. It says, uh, it doesn't matter how good a plan, program, or vision is if you don't have investment and input from others. Restorative practices do not just happen. They are activities that all of your education stakeholders believe are best for students. A school community behind restorative practices can help launch your school into a world of fewer suspensions and expulsions, increased student achievement, and an amazing collaborative school culture uh, can be developed. We all want to be a part of creating an environment where others are happy to work, where parents are happy to send their kids, and most important, where kids feel safe, empowered, and want to learn. Restorative practices can make that happen and improve everyone's lives at the same time. And that was taken from that hacking school discipline. Uh, and I'm sure we'll continue to return to restorative practices as I... I, I love the philosophy and I love the problem solving behind it. And I'm seeing now a lot of the restorative practices we were doing and many of the buildings I was in. And at the time, some of the time uh, early on, especially, it wasn't called restorative practices. Uh, we were teaching problem solving skills and mediation skills, uh, but it was a time before the terminology was developed and uh, time before we were doing some of these things. And it's it's nice to see that that is a continued uh, positive practice. So as we continue in the future, we'll keep talking about restorative practices and the things to help our students succeed. And I'd like to end tonight with a quote. And our, our quote tonight is, there are only two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate it or you can inspire it. And that was Simon Sinek. And as always, keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes. And until next time, let's remember to stay positive. been listening to Urban Principle, 
Leadership Lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com.